Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, beloved, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. It's the end of the week show. And you know, I love me some end of the week show because I get to show you all the best things that we've seen around here all week. And we get to do some Ask Dr. Sean. And we got a bunch of headlines for you, some interesting stories, okay? I got some serial killer for you tonight. Yeah, I got, I, I, listen, I got a couple of dating stories that are really going to make you rethink everything you think you think about dating. <sighs> yes, a woman ended up dating a serial killer. It's going to be a great show. I'm telling you, we're going to be all over the place. I got a Donald Trump story. You know how much I love to talk about him (laughs) and what's going on with his little life. So settle in, people. Get comfortable. Take your shoes off. And let's get it crack-a-lacking. Highly play the bumper, man. So let's start off with Princeton University. Princeton University, that little Ivy League school up in Princeton, New Jersey. So if you get accepted to Princeton University and your family makes less than $100,000, I got some good news for you. Princeton University will now be free for families earning less than $100,000 a year. Previously, you had to earn at least a minimum of, of, of or maximum rather, of $60,000 before you could get financial aid at Princeton. But now, Princeton has adopted a new policy that will extend to more families and help more families get more students and Ivy League education, which I don't care what anybody says, it's still a great education, all right? Princeton is still a great school. Even though it is a predominantly white institution, it's still a great school. And now, if you make less than $100,000 as a family, which my family would have qualified for this, although I didn't go to Princeton, I could have gone for free. So how about we just say, shout out to Princeton, okay? How about we also say, why isn't Harvard doing this, okay? Harvard, what's taking us so long to do this? Come on, Princeton's winning. (laughs) That's not how it's supposed to work, okay? We're supposed to beat Princeton. Anyway, but shout out to Princeton for actually considering the fact that it's a hardship for families to pay 50, 60, 80,000, well, maybe not 80,000. Some schools are actually $80,000 a year to go to school. So now if you make less than $100,000 and you are accepted into Princeton, you can actually graduate with an undergraduate degree and not having paid anything out of your family's pocket to get it. It's interesting because, you know, this will allow 25% of the university's undergraduate population to have access to genuine and real financial aid. Again, I want to shout out to Princeton. I also want to know what's going on with Harvard. Well, shout out to Princeton for really being imaginative and creative as it relates to helping people afford a college education and a great education at that. But I just want to say before I turn away from this, I still don't understand why college costs so much money. Somebody needs to explain to me, why does college cost 50, 60, $80,000? I don't understand it. And I've gone to college. I've gone to a couple of them, really good ones. And I don't understand why it costs so much money to go to school. Some people say that college is a ripoff. I think that's ridiculous. Okay? I don't, college is not a ripoff, so we need to stop saying that, okay? I saw the video of the person who burned their degree. Ignorant. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. College is not a ripoff, okay? Higher education is worth the sacrifice. If for no other reason, then certainly because being smarter is better than being dumber every day of the week, twice on Sunday. College is not a ripoff. It's not. Just as a matter of principle, having more education ultimately helps to lead to you being a better person. 
and in a lot of cases having a better life. Now, it's fine if somebody didn't go to college. I'm fine with people who didn't go to college, don't want to go to college, that's your thing. I, I have, it's totally fine, by the way. Everybody is not built or made to go to college. Everybody shouldn't have to go to college. You follow me? But just because you didn't go, don't poo-poo on the people that did. Because it ain't ridiculous to get a higher education. Knowledge is good for the soul. You follow what I'm saying? Not, good for, not just good for the mind, it's also good for the soul. But on some level, we've allowed colleges and universities to charge whatever they want without any scrutiny, without any conversation or critique, and certainly no condemnation. And I'm really hoping that that day has changed. We're no longer going to let going to let college and universities decide to charge whatever they want to charge, however they want to charge it, and nobody says anything. I hope we're finally at the place where people start asking some serious questions. Namely, why am I paying so much money to sleep in this little room and eat this bad food? Because that's all college really is. Classrooms, small little rooms, bad food. Good parties. Depends on what school you go to. <laughs> But it shouldn't cost $80,000 to do that. And hopefully Princeton can start a trend. And hopefully a lot of other schools can jump on and really say, how can we serve the needs of the least among us, those who are living on the margins financially? Because if the purpose of a great education is to produce a great person, then certainly we owe that to the people who've been pushed out of the center of consideration and greatness in this country for no reason other than the fact that they didn't have a lot of money. Being poor should not be a punishment. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Tom Tillis. You guys know uh, Senator Tom Tillis, Republican Senator Tom Tillis. is currently He's happened to, to be predicting, as it were, that the Senate will eventually support a marriage equality bill and have a vote on that bill at some point, he believes, um, in the near future. What's supposed to be very soon, but the Senate has sort of put it off. But when the bill happens, it's not really the story here. The story is a Republican senator has come out saying that he believes that the bill will have Republican support. Because you know that any bill in the Senate needs 60 votes to get through the chamber. And Tillis, Senator Tom Tillis, is saying he believes that there are enough Republicans to join with enough Democrats to make sure that this bill happens. See, this bill would repeal the 1996 law which said that the federal government would not recognize same-sex marriages performed by the states. And so this bill is going to repeal the 1996 law which will allow effectively for the federal government to move to recognize, honor, and sanction uh, same-sex marriages. An amazing thing happened over in the House of Representatives. 47 Republicans voted to support this bill when it was over in the House. Now it's moving over. That's amazing, by the way. Don't, don't take that for granted. 47 Republicans, House Republicans voting for this is a big deal. Since most of them can't walk and chew gum at the same time. But I'm hoping that, you know, Tillis is right, okay? I'm hoping that this bill has a very strong and realistic possibility of passing. And, 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 and you know what? I don't know how y'all feel about, you know, this bill or same-sex marriage and all of that, um, but I thoroughly, absolutely, 100% support it, and I never understood why conservatives didn't support it. How are you going to be a Bible-thumping, family-loving conservative, and then you stand in the way of other people trying to create families? Either you for families or not, or you just for your kind of family, your kind of love. You know what I'm saying? Then don't, call, then don't, say, don't say that you support families if you don't want gay folks to have a family. I never understood why conservatives were against gay people having families. That's what you, that's what you said you wanted everybody to have. So now everybody's trying to have family. Now you don't want gay folks to have one. I just didn't. I, and I never understood why people were against marriage equality to begin with. Why in the world would you want somebody to have less rights than you? So if you have the right to get married, gay folks should have the right to get married, right? Why would you want to live in a country where some people don't have as many rights as you do? If straight people have the right to get married, gay folks have the right to do the same thing. And let's not forget, beloved, that in the United States of America, marriage 
is not an act or a right of religion or the church. Marriage is not sanctioned by the church. When you go to get a marriage license, you don't go to the church. Where do you go? And when you want to get a divorce, you don't go to your pastor. Where do you go? You go to the courthouse in both cases. You get a marriage license from the court and you get you get divorced from the court in front of a judge. The, the, the state just lets the church conduct marriage ceremonies. But illegal marriage can't happen just with the church, which makes marriage a civil right. You get what I'm saying? I'm not saying that there's a marriage in religion or marriage in the Bible or marriage in. I, I get all that. But when it comes to what marriage is in this country as a public spectacle, you have to go to the court to get a marriage license. You got to go to the court to get divorced, which means marriage is a civil right. Everybody getting married has the right to get married only because, not because they're Presbyterian or Pentecostal or Kojic or Catholic or Methodist or Baptist. Everybody who has the right to get married has the right to get married because it is a product of law, state law. And I'm just trying to figure out how it, how it is the case that you can believe in your civil rights, but nobody else's. So black people should have the right to date whoever we want, but gay people shouldn't. So a black person should be able to date and marry a white person. Nobody should be able to say anything about that. But God forbid two consenting adults of the same gender want to do it too. If you got a problem with that, then you don't believe in freedom. I'm sorry. I don't know what you believe in. You believe in your freedom. But unless you believe in the freedom of everybody, and unless you understand that until all of us are free, none of us are free, then you ain't talking about freedom. You're talking about privilege. You actually believe in privilege. I believe in freedom. I believe that whether I like you, don't like you, agree with you, don't agree with you, whether I'm one of you or not one of you, whether I look like you or don't look like you, I want you to have the same rights that I do. And I, and I better have the same rights that you do. I don't want you to be treated better or worse than me and the same in the reverse. Because I believe in the principle of freedom, that everybody should be free. You should be free to marry who you want, date who you want, love who you want, sleep with whoever you want, as long as they're a consenting adult. Have at it. Enjoy yourself. None of my business. And the same thing is true in reverse. Ain't none of your business who I'm sleeping with. <laughs> Although I sleep alone most nights, <laughs> I'm just saying. Brothers and sisters, we gotta, we gotta believe in freedom and not just privilege. All right, let me do one more before I, get, before I move on. Um, let's talk about Donald Trump because that's, you know, how can, how can we not? So in a recent poll from NPR, it was reported that 67% of independent voters do not want Donald Trump to run for president in 2024. Yes, isn't that amazing? Yes. and. And the same poll also revealed that only 28% of them wanted him, independence that is, that wanted him to win. This is important. This is very important because uh, most elections in this country is, aren't determined by Democrats or Republicans. Most elections in this country are determined by independents. And if 67% of independents are signaling that they're tired of Donald Trump, that's a very good thing, even if he runs in 2024. Because if, if he runs in 2024, he's only going to win if he can peel off independents. He ain't getting no Democrats and he's not getting all the Republicans. He needs those independents. 67% of them are saying they don't even want him to run, let alone win. It's a very good thing, beloved. 60% of the people surveyed in an August poll by, by Quantapiac University said that, it, that Donald Trump would be bad for the country if he ran for president a second time that he would be bad and the, and the whole process of his running would be bad for the country. See, Donald Trump is a malignant, cancerous, poisonous, ugh, <laughs> in the bloodstream of American politics. And he ruins everything he happens to touch. And if this man runs again, you can believe there's going to be more chaos, more crazy, more division, more insidiousness. If this man runs and wins... A lot of us should probably consider moving to another country. Because if you thought the first go-around was bad, the second go-around is going to be a hundred times worse because more seedy individuals are going to be lining up to work for him. 
But I'm happy to hear that independents are finally realizing that Donald Trump is a problem, that they shouldn't vote for Satan's nephew. Don't get mad that I called him Satan's nephew, because if you are that, if you lie and steal and cheat and cause division and ruin everything you touch, you have to be related to something demonic. I know some of y'all, I know some of y'all watching tonight are tired of the Democrats. You're tired of Joe Biden. You don't want to vote for him. Let me give you some advice. You better hold your nose. You better hold your nose and go to that poll and vote for whatever Democrat comes out of the Democratic convention. I don't care who it is. It could be Joe Biden or Bobo the fool. You better go right down there and vote for him. And don't tell me you tired of holding your nose and doing things you don't really want to do. Welcome to being an adult. You got we have as an adult, we have to do that every day. You think we want to leap up and go to work? No. <laughs> but you got to hold your nose and go to work so you can pay your bills. Yeah, man. So uh y'all remember something. You see, we forget that history is the thing that has the power to protect us. Malcolm X said, of all of our studies, history is best qualified to reward our research. And he was right. See, don't get so loosey-goosey and into the moment that you're in that you forget the storm that we just came out of. And I'm telling you to your face, you don't want this man back in that White House. Because if you thought it was four years of insanity before, it's going to be four years of downright decadence if he comes back. Yeah. I don't know who the Democrats are going to nominate, but I'm saying it again. Whoever they nominate will get my vote, especially if Donald Trump runs again. I got that out. We come back. I got some more headlines for you, people. You know, so we, it's end of the week show. We're just talking. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So let's do some more headlines. The economy... <laughs> Thank you, Hailey. <laughs> that was my fault, not his. Um, let's talk about the economy. So the economy added another 315,000 jobs just in the month of August, and we want to celebrate that, bringing the total number of jobs added to the economy this year, 3.5 million in total, and we still got a couple of months to go, right? I mean, that's a big deal. That 3.5 million jobs happens to be more jobs in two years than Donald Trump added in four years. I just had to get that in, all right? I know I'm supposed to be over the Trump thing, but I had to get that in. I had to. How could I not? (laughs) 3.5 million jobs is a a big deal. And 315,000 jobs just for the month of August is, is not something to shake a stick at or laugh at, all right? Joe Biden's had a good week, people. He avoided a train strike, and he added 315,000 jobs. Not, not, not a bad week. I can think of some worse things to happen to you. And, and, it's, and again, 315,000 jobs is not nothing to sneeze at, especially if you were one of the people out looking for a job last month. The fact that you could find one probably was a blessing to your life and for your life. Now, everybody who watches this show knows I am a capitalist, unapologetically. I know a lot of y'all are socialists, and I'm fine with that. And there are elements of socialism that I actually believe should be more operative in capitalism, which makes me an egalitarian capitalist. But I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm a capitalist. I know y'all tried to make Jay-Z be ashamed of whatever. And And you know why? Whatever. I'm totally off script right now. But you know why? Because no economic system comes with a built-in morality. Socialism isn't inherently more moral and ethical than capitalism. If there's going to be anything ethical that comes out of socialism or capitalism, the people have to bring their morality to the system because no economic system is inherently moral. That's why in most socialist countries, it ends up being authoritarianism, full of autocrats, sometimes totalitarianistic. Whereas in capitalist country, it becomes predatory and greedy because no economic system is inherently ethical. You got to bring your morality to the system. Back to the show. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. But the point I'm trying to make here is I think everybody in a rich country, in a rich capitalist country, 
just like it is proposed to be in a socialist country, I think everybody who wants a job should be able to find a job. In a rich capitalist country where there's a lot of money, a lot of wealth, if you want to work, you should be able to find a job. We should not have to have massive and chronic unemployment running around in certain segments of the community. That's the point I'm trying to make. And I'm happy to know that we are still creating jobs and I hope we continue to create them. And I don't see why we don't have a, a, a systemic, chronic, in a good way, process for putting people to work. That's endemic. It's always functioning, always helping people find what they need. You know, how much people get paid on a job is a conversation for another time. But nobody in this country should have to want a job and can't find one. Not in, not in a rich country like this one. You know, last week a lot of y'all showed indifference. Some of y'all were downright mean about Queen Elizabeth and her passing, which is another conversation for a whole other day. But the reality is she held the, she held the same job for 70 years. And, and she did it really well, people, okay? Again, you may not like what she, what, what, what British colonialism, imperialism, whatever, but she held that job for 70 years, so much so that the world leaders will be making their way to London on Monday. Here's my point. There are members of a certain generation that believe that the universe hates them because they have to go to work. Let me look at one of them. <laughs> there, are, there are members of a certain, he woke up. There are members of a certain generation who believe that because, you know, they got to go to work every day and because work impinges on their social lives. Oh, my God. Capitalism is evil. No. You want to eat, don't you? <laughs> Do you want to eat? This principle applies in capitalism and in socialism. You ready? If you don't work, you don't eat. <sighs> I could just walk off the set right now because I've already, I've, I've already preached. <laughs> the sermon is, yeah, man. The world isn't out to get you because you got to go to work. Stop all this craziness, okay? So let me just end with this. Shout out to all the people, all the men and women who found jobs and who are not offended by the concept of work because they understand that being excellent at something, working hard at something, being vigilant towards the procurement and the accomplishment of something is not just good for your wallet or your pocketbook. It's also good for your soul. And part of the ball problem that we have in this country is that we have too many people who are developing an aversion to work, who think leisure should be their job, who want to sit around in front of a green stream and run their mouths and talk about things that they're not qualified to talk about because they don't know what they're talking about. Shout out to all the people who think, you know, working hard and being faithful to your work. Oh, and I'm not, I'm not wait, 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 and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the bus driver. I'm not, or, the, or the garbage collector, or I, I'm talking about Kobe Bryant. He liked work. Michael Jordan, Oprah Winfrey, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. They all had jobs, and they all liked going to work. Let's move on. So, this story we found, and 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 wow, wait till you hear this. How many of you have heard of Brittany Martin? Brittany Martin is a South Carolina activist uh, who was convicted for what's called breach of peace over a remark she made in the face of a police officer during a racial justice protest in 2020. So Brittany was arrested after taking part in a 2020 protest prompted by the killings of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And in South Carolina, breach of peace is a crime punishable normally by no more than five hundred dollars or three, 30 days, rather, in prison, except if it's aggravated breach of peace. And Brittany, of course, was charged with aggravated breach of peace. And because she was charged with aggravated breach of peace, she is now, she has already, rather, been sentenced to, check this out, listen to this, four years of prison time. And did I mention to you that Brittany is pregnant and expected to give birth sometime this year, later this year, and she's already had health complications associated with her pregnancy. So she was sentenced to four years in jail 
because she yelled in the in the face of a police officer. So wonder then that her lawyers are asking the judge to reconsider the four year prison sentence that's expected or was already handed down and given to her. She was convicted for yelling in someone's face. Convicted because she dared to yell, express her First Amendment right in the face of a police officer. Now, I don't know what Brittany said to the officer. I don't know what words she used. I don't know the connotation, profanity. I don't know. I wasn't there. Okay? But whatever she said does not warrant four years in jail, especially if she's pregnant. So if I yell at you, you can put me in jail for four years? What the hell? You know, just just when I think that America might be finding its way, I run into one of these stories that just reminds me, eh, no, not yet. (laughs) Still more work to do. Gotta still vote. Sentenced to four years for yelling in somebody's face? Come on, people. In this country, you have the right to yell in somebody's face. You really do. Matter of fact, Joe Biden was doing a speech not long ago. He was in the speech. Somebody yells out something to him, right? And Biden says, hey, you know, this person over there has the right to yell out and be stupid. So the president of the United States can accept being heckled and have people yell things at him and just understand it to be part of the common cause and the common product of democracy. But in, but in South Carolina, if you're doing it in South Carolina... You, you get sentenced to four years in jail? There's no, reason in, there's no reason in the world why this woman should be in jail for four years. And somebody needs to step up and do something right away. I mean, somebody needs to step up and make sure that this, this is changed. Because in, in, you're telling me in this country that we'll send a black woman to jail for yelling in the face of a police officer but we will let a police officer go free for shooting a black woman in bed. And that's supposed to be okay. So you all remember the name Brittany Martin and let's all find a way to help get her out of jail. Not just because she shouldn't be there, but because we don't want her to give birth to her child in a place she does not deserve to be. All right, let me do one more before we take this break. Because I'm running out of time. You notice that? This this show is flying by. So this is a show, after all that bad news that I just gave you, now I'm going to make you feel like like good, okay? You ready? (laughs) Time to feel good, two, three. Let's talk about Molly Rupert and her husband, Raymond Rupert. Molly's 84 years old, and Raymond Rupert is 87 years old. And the two of them just fulfilled a dream to open up a restaurant, a, a, a crab restaurant right by the Chesapeake Bay. See, once again, let me remind you again that Molly is 84 and Raymond is 87 years old, and they're opening up a restaurant on the Chesapeake Bay because they've always had a dream of being restaurateurs. Is that how you say that? That they've always had the dream of that. And now at 84 and 87, they said, what the hell? We might as well go on and do it. And that's exactly what they did. This is the kind of story that ought to make you Make your soul stand up. Make some joy rise up in the middle of you. Because 87 and 84 years old, are not. those are not ages where people usually start opening things. Those are ages where people usually start closing things down. <laughs> like life. <laughs> but these two said to hell with that. As long as I'm still breathing and can swing my legs out of the bed, huh? as long as I still want to do it, I'm going to get it done. And that's exactly what they did. Here's the part where you start to feel better. I don't care what people are telling you you're too old to do or too black to do, too male to do, too gay to do, too straight to do, too female to do, whatever. I don't care what people are telling you. If you still really want to do it and if it's in you to get it done and your passion is still very much alive, then this story teaches you that you have a moral responsibility to yourself to make sure that you get it done. See, young people love to celebrate being young, but here's what young people forget. You getting older every day. (laughs) <laughs> you ain't going to be young every, for the rest of your life. It's great to be young when you are young, but it's also great to be whatever you are now. And for everybody who don't classify as young anymore, how about you take these two as an example to get some things done? 
Because there's some things you should have did a long time ago that you told everybody you was going to do and you let life slip up. You let you let whatever happened happen and you ain't done it yet. I heard this great question that someone asked recently and I want to ask it to you. If you didn't know what day you was born, how old would you feel? It's a real question. If you did not know what day you were born, what year you were born, how old would you feel? Because that's the truth of your age. The truth of your age has nothing to do with what's on the birth certificate. It has everything to do with how you feel, how you view, and how you deal with life. And I'm saying if an 84-year-old and an 87-year-old can open up a restaurant because that's what they always wanted to do, and I'm trying to figure out what are you waiting on. What's your problem? There's a book you need to write. There's an album you need to create, a song you need to produce, a dance you need to dance. Whatever it is, whatever you've been waiting to do, I'm inviting you right now to start getting it done because the night is coming. And soon all of us will have to give way to the dark. But until that happens, you can be 84 and 87 and still do something you never did before. We'll be right back right after this. Everybody, so, 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 thank you for sticking it out with me with all, all those wonderful headlines. But one of the best things about having an end of the week show is we get to do something called Best Things That I've Seen All Week. And here they are. Play the Papa Holly. Yes, 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 yes. These are the videos that we have been able to encounter, take a look at, and we thought, now, these are some of the things that you need to see for the first time or see again because they was just that good. Um, so take a look at one of our great friends, Cardi B, who surprised students at her old middle school in the Bronx. Take a look at what happens. Maybe we can have amazing after school program. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I will be donating $100,000. See, look at that. Cardi B is not a socialist either. <laughs> you can't donate $100,000. Anyway, shout out to Cardi B for doing that, right? Isn't that amazing? We're back to her old school where, where she probably sat in some of those chairs before anybody knew who she was. Um, I'm, I always love it when people give back to where they uh, come from when they celebrate the soil that produced them. And um, I was very happy to see this video. And I know that she inspired a lot of those kids. All of those kids knew who she was before she walked in the door. But now they know something more about her. And her heart is just as big as her music and her persona. Right? And I celebrate that. See, I think the point that I want to make here is whenever you have a chance to bless somebody, go ahead on and bless them. Whenever you have a chance to be good to people, just, just be good to them. You don't even have to necessarily know them or like them. She didn't know those kids. She used to go to the school years ago. But she didn't need to know them to want to make them happy. She was a part of that institution, and that's all she needed to know. I'm just trying to tell you, when you have a chance to bless people, go on and just bless them. And when you make a lot of money or have a lot of fame or have a lot of whatever it is you're going to have a lot of, Try to go back to the places that knew you before you were so important and wonderful. Try to go back and pull somebody who's still there further along than they would be had you not showed up. All right. Uh, let me, I, I got to do this. I got to do this story, okay? Because you guys know that I love me a real crime story. And I got one for you here, okay? This includes everything. So Monica White um, had already been through a painful divorce, but at the age of 53, she was ready to start dating again. And in the fall of uh, 2020, she was really ready to go back into dating uh, because, you know, at some point you got to get back on the horse. So Monica created a bunch of profiles on some dating sites and apps, and uh, soon she got a message uh, from uh, someone uh, who... Wait for it. Uh, turned out allegedly to be a serial killer. <laughs> this is not funny, okay? And the fact that I'm laughing is just so inappropriate. <laughs> oh, but I can't help it. 
You know, you've been you've been out of the dating market and you get back into dating and the first <laughs> the first person that hits you is an alleged serial killer? Well, let's get back to the story, because it gets better. So Monica connected with Mr. Anthony Robinson, who, according to the police, uh, is now dubbed the shopping cart killer because he allegedly met women on dating sites and apps, lured them into hotels before killing them and then loading their bodies into shopping carts and dumping them. Oh, I was hoping that that wouldn't really. That's him. Y'all know what I'm thinking, right? All the black people know what I'm thinking. Oh man. <laughs> okay, let me get let me fully to get back to the story. Anthony, you just so disappointed me. I'm just, anyway, so he would load their bodies into shopping carts and leave them in the parking lot. <sighs> Damn black serial killer. Anyway, Monica said <laughs> that Anthony. That's Monica. Monica said that Anthony. Uh, flooded her with appreciation, gave her a lot of attention, loved her art, and appreciated her for being a preschool teacher. And when I read that, you know what I thought to myself? Anybody who gives you a a lot of unrelenting, unsolicited compliments, they're probably working on an agenda, okay? Anybody who compliments you a little too much and a little too often, they got an agenda. Just file that away because you might need it one day. So anyway, apparently Monica and Anthony broke up after Anthony made sexual, allegedly sexually suggestive comments to her teenage son. Oh, Jesus. It's not enough that you're a serial killer, Anthony. You're also a creep. Allegedly. <laughs> Gotta say allegedly. A treat is gonna call me later. So anyway, thank God they broke up, right? I mean, thank God that Monica saw whatever she needed to see to get her away from this guy. And before, before I take this break and, and really continue with this story, let me just say that to all of you right now. Don't, don't act like you don't see what you see. And don't act like you don't notice what you really notice. When you see somebody who's doing something and it makes that thing, that, that little intuition stand up, act like you know what's going on. Don't convince yourself that somebody is something that they're not or not something that they actually are. And I don't know, apparently, whatever suggestive comments he made to her son was the straw that broke the camel's back, but at least she had a straw that would make it the last one. There are too many people watching right now who you just let people go on and on and on and on and on and on and on with their craziness, and you act like you don't see nothing. I'm not saying the person you're dealing with is an alleged serial killer, but I'm also saying they are probably not the right ones for you. Monica went on to say that she did. She had no idea that Anthony was was the kind of person who could hurt somebody. And now the experience has left her shaken and unable to date anyone. <laughs> Rightfully so. I mean, if I got back in the dating market and the first person I connected with was an alleged serial killer. Yeah. So listen, here's why I'm doing this story. And then I'm going to take this break. I need y'all. So stop bringing people home that you met on the internet. (laughs) You hear me? I need you to stop giving your address out to people that you met on a dating site. Okay? No, 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 no. Nobody you just met on a dating app should even have your address for at least a year. For at least a year. You don't don't need to know where I live. Because you got to give people time to show you who they really are. And here you are rushing headlong and headstrong into something creating a fantasy in your head only to discover the way Monica did that you might be dealing with somebody who is truly dangerous. How about we all slow down and stop trying to live our whole lives in two weeks? And if a person can't handle the fact that you've created a, 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 a cone or a circle of, of, of safety, a boundary around your life, if they don't appreciate that, then there's something wrong with them, not you. You got to protect yourself. And have a zone of safety around you and your family. So let me say it again before I take this break. Stop bringing people home who you just met on a dating site. Meet them in public. Go to a restaurant. Go to a movie. Go where there's other people around where you know you'll always be safe. Don't bring something into your house. And you don't know what it is. You might be bringing home a predator. A serial killer. A financial predator. A spiritual assassin. All right, that's my advice for this segment. I think you should follow it. And if you have any doubts, go reread this story about Monica. 
We'll be right back right after this. So, 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 so. Let's do some more best things that I've seen all week. Play that Baba Haile. Play that Baba Haile. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm musical. Don't hate me because I'm gifted. Um, so this is one of the best things that I've seen all week, all right? Uh, and, and we actually showed her photo during the serial killer story, but that was, you know, that's on me. All right. Um, this is Maya Zamora. Show Maya again. There she is. Have her associated with that crazy man. This is sweet little Maya. Look how cute she is with a little bag. <laughs> with his big cheeks. <laughs> Maya Zamora is one of the victims of the shooting at the Robb Elementary School. Um, and she had to spend 66 days in the hospital trying to recover. And thank God she finally did recover. And, uh, and she is on the mend. Um, so Maya had a special problem that went beyond the physical wounds that she suffered. It turns out that while she was at the hospital, she discovered and learned eventually that she lived very close to the gunman that shot up her school and ultimately injured her. That guy whose name I'm not even going to mention. But can you imagine Walking home every day from school or from the store, wherever it is you go. And to get to your house, you have to pass by the home of the man that shot you and introduced you to the greatest trauma of your life, murdered your friends, your classmates and your teachers. And when Maya was ready to get out of the hospital, she realized that she 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 could not go back to her house because she could not pass the house of the gunman every single day and keep her peace, her sanity, her joy her progress, her future, and all the things that she really deserves after spending 66 days in the hospital. So apparently, Maya's dilemma became public because Puerto Rican rapper Bad Bunny stepped up. That's him right there. And he donated, wait, wait, listen to this. He gave her a new home. <laughs> he was like, if you can't go back to that home for those reasons, I understand it. And through a foundation that helps people rebuild their lives, he donated and gave her a new home. So we just want to shout out. How about we give a shout out to Bad Bunny for being a good bunny? <laughs> Bad Bunny's actually a good bunny. That was funny. No, it was funny. It was. He's not laughing because he ain't got no joy. <laughs> Bad Bunny's a good bunny. I'm not trying to mess up your, your street cred, sir, but this is some good bunny behavior. And we want to give you a shout out for that. I mean, listen, we got Cardi B going back to the school, giving out $100,000 and bad bunny doing good bunny behavior. How about we just thank God for good people? Can we just stop and do that? You go first, because I already did it. How about we just thank God for good people in the world? There are good people in the world, people who just want other people to be happy. Who don't want nothing from you? Who ain't trying to get nothing out of you? They don't want to sleep with you. <laughs> they just want to make sure that your life is better today than it was yesterday. Shout out, shout out for good people. And if you've got good people in your life and you don't celebrate them, lean in so I can just slap you with this card. <laughs> because if you're giving all the people that hurt you all this attention and noise and conversation, and you ain't giving the people that love you any of that, come here. <laughs> and the words of my mama, come on in here. <laughs> Come on, man. Good people in the world. Two, three's a good person. Highly good people. John, Bruno, Steve-O, Nicole. Good people. Good people. Trina, Jocelyn, Tanisha. Good people. I get to spend my days at work around people who are really good people. They're not seedy. They're not shady. Now, they might be moody. <laughs> they may have their little moments. But when you take everything as an aggregate and put it all together... I am blessed to spend my days at work with good people, decent human beings who care about each other and who care about this show and me. So, listen, man, I got to take a break, but I don't really want to take one because I got good vibes going. You know when you got good vibes, you just want the good vibes to continue? Shout out to Bad Bunny for being a good bunny. <laughs> Let's take a break. Welcome back, everybody. People didn't like my bad bunny joke, but I liked it, okay? So I'm just saying. Anyway, 
We always do Ask Dr. Sean, and end of the week show is no different. You guys always send me amazing videos and amazing questions. So we are going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. Play the bumper, Hiley. Let's take a look at this amazing video. Go ahead. Hey, Dr. Sean. My name is Courtney. I'm from Texas. My daughter is 16, and she's currently wanting to date, but I'm not quite ready. Do you have any advice? Yeah. <laughs> that you get ready. Yeah, you're going to have to get ready because... <laughs> what do you want me to... I mean, listen, she's not a child. She's entering into that stage of life where the creature cravings start reaching up and grabbing her. You got to get ready. This is this is what you signed up for. Now, I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's, it's your discretion as a parent as to when your your child can date and all that right i personally with my sons i didn't have a a time when they could start dating you know i i didn't i didn't have that but they were boys too so it was a little different i'm just saying what you should do is be talking to your daughter about all the things you've learned and all the wisdom you've been able to come into all the things that you know about men that you can only know about men or whatever, whoever it is you're attracted to by experience. Just not wanting someone to do something because it's not what you want them to do is not a way to prepare them. The way you prepare people is to have serious, sustained and substantive conversation about the thing you're concerned about. So that you won't have to be concerned if she's prepared, if she's awake and ready and aware you don't have to sit around at night, you know, wringing your hands and rubbing your forehead because you sent a young woman out into the world who is adept, who is adequate, who is attuned to all the things you taught her. But to just tell her she can't do something and then not to prepare her to be able to do it ultimately well is a recipe for a disaster and a recipe for her to resent you. And not to understand why it is that you won't let her do something that you probably did. That's probably the reason you don't want her to do it. Because she represents on, on some level some of the mistakes that you made. But it doesn't have to end the same way. Her journey doesn't have to feel the same way if you prepare her. It's your right to tell your daughter when she can and cannot date as long as she's under your roof. That's your right, but you are pushing against the ocean. You are trying to keep the sun from rising in the sky. That's probably not going to work out good for you. A better responsibility is to teach her how to deal with the light. Okay? All right. All right. So someone uh, DM'd me a question, and let me pull it up so I can read it to you. All right, here we go. So, when I got married, I did everything that my husband expected of, of me as a wife. I cooked three meals a day and did all the housework and tried to look my best. Well, it's been seven years and I'm tired and I don't want to cook or clean every day. And I want to dress comfortably in my home. But my husband doesn't like the new me. Did I present the wrong version of myself at the beginning of our marriage? And is it too late for me to tell him that the things, rather that things need to change? All right. Yes, yes. Yes and yes. You did present the wrong you at the beginning of the situation because what you presented wasn't the truth. It was what you were presenting to make him happy and to make him feel comfortable with the fantasy that he had for you and for him. The foundation of this relationship is a foundation built on sand, and you probably need to tear this foundation down. And to say to him, that's what I was willing to do because that's who I used to be, but that's not who I am, and that's not what I'm willing to manifest. You have to build a new foundation for this relationship, a new basis and a new understanding. One that's not built upon a lie or predicated upon a fantasy. Because in as much as you were misrepresenting yourself to him, he was about the business of inventing him a version of you. How about everybody decides that everybody in the marriage and in the house gets to be who they are? And if your husband cannot deal with the fact that you are in a different place or you 
don't want to cook three meals every day or you don't want to have to wear a ball gown <laughs> to breakfast in the morning, you'd like to dress comfortably, whatever that might mean for you. If he can't get that, then, you know, what are you really losing? See, at this stage of the marriage, seven years, first of all, seven years is a great time to go to a counselor. So let me recommend that both of you do that. But let me also recommend that somebody who cannot accept you for who you are and who you really are, if you lose somebody like that, what have you really lost? When somebody cannot truly embrace you and love you for being you, and they leave, it might be a blessing. I know that sounds harsh, but I, 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 just, I just do not believe that we owe people some the crazy responsibility of trying to convince people, you know, um, that it's okay to lie for the rest of this relationship. Yeah, start telling the truth. And start telling yourself the truth. Start with you and then move to him. And do, and do the hard work of trying to figure out why it was you were willing to manifest and present yourself in that way. What was, in, what was working or not working or broken in you that made it okay for you to manifest yourself in a way that wasn't real? And make sure that's healed. So if it was fear of not having somebody or fear of somebody leaving, make sure you deal with that first. And then... You build a new foundation. Listen, everybody, thank you for tuning in. It was a great end of the week show, okay? You guys have a great rest of the week. Be amazing. Do things that make you proud of you. And remember how far you've come and how much farther you have to go. Y'all be good to each other. I love you. The future. So cool, right? All of those amazing new innovations that are going to make life even better. Like... Wouldn't it be great to have a car that changes color to match your mood? Oh, wait, even better, your outfit. Buick is thinking about the future every single day. A future built around you with super smart Buick EVs that can make your life even better. And it's all out there waiting. So let's go to the future together. Join us at buick.com future. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated. Like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount, at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply.